Welcome back to the Doggy Juice Pod, changing the way you think as a sports better. This is episode number 23, the Jordan episode, Friday, December 7th, 2018. That's right, this is episode number 23, the Jordan episode. I'm a Midwestern guy, and I don't really think this is a Midwestern thing or even a Chicago thing at all, but at least for my college friends, we had a thing for your Jordan birthday, uh, your 23rd birthday, you had to do a Jordan shot. And don't ask me why, but a Jordan shot is all the liquid from the bar scooped into a shot glass, and then you take that shot. I've heard this referred to as a bar mat shot too, but for some reason, I always associate it with a Jordan shot for your 23rd birthday. But... I'm a huge Michael Jordan fan myself, grew up idolizing the man, so I'm going to honor him with this 23rd episode being the Jordan episode. Anyways, this is going to be the lone episode of the week again. In this episode, I'm going to jump into some quick hitters, including some legal updates that I think are very important at this stage in the story of sports betting legalization in America. And then I'll jump into look-aheads to some early college football bowl games and this weekend's card in NFL Week 14. As I said last week, we have a slew of guests lined up for you in December. Unfortunately, we had to push this week's interview to next week, but we are a go for next week. We have double trouble coming on the pod, so I will be bringing two guests on at the same time um, next week to make up for no interview this week. And then we have some other dudes lined up for after that, so we can hear some different takes from people as sports betting legalization everywhere continues to unfold right before our eyes. That is correct. So over the past couple of weeks, I've taken a deeper foray into gambling Twitter and more deeply gambling Instagram. And it truly is a sight to behold. You have guys touting parlays, guys touting 13-point teasers in college football, Guys saying you should bet 30 units or even 10 units on one game. Guys saying that they're up 45 units in one day. Guys playing literally every game on the board. It's really a place filled with scumbags, honestly. And I knew this when I got into the space and started posting my own stuff on January 1st of this year. But, man, as much as I love gambling Twitter for some of the camaraderie and finding value together and, more importantly, some of the information you can get on there, it's also kind of the worst. So many... Guys have been messaging me, trying to sell me their college football teasers when I know full well that it's literally impossible to win long-term betting college football teasers. Don't do that. Beware of these guys, especially as sports betting is legalized in your state. If it seems like it's too good to be true, then it's probably too good to be true. Refer back to the Doggy Juice Sports Betting Ten Commandments from the very first episode. If you see these touts breaking any one of these Ten Commandments, then that's an immediate tip that they're a full-on fraud. And the worst part, though, is that sports gambling Twitter and Instagram, it's a total what-have-you-done-for-me-lately scene. It's easy to see a guy touting and making it seem like he's winning. Maybe he's a great salesman. Most of them are. And maybe you'll even see him winning you know, a few plays in a row. You start following him in the, you know, a few days in a row, he's posting winners. And then you logically jump and think that he's a sharp better because of this. Beware of this. Don't let human nature suck you in and fool you. I strongly urge you instead to look at their process. And if they're breaking any one of those doggy juice sports betting 10 commandments, I promise you that they're a fraud. So for me, 
touting really isn't my thing. I've joked around about it, but I really just I just don't even need to tout. Everything's right here. My plays are on Twitter and Instagram since January 1st of this year, and they're all time-stamped. You can listen back to this podcast I've been doing since September, also time-stamped, and hear my plays. And as I've said, I dare you to find someone who has been documented as good as me this year, especially since the start of the football season. You won't. And I, I hate to sound cocky, but it's the truth. Nobody's been better in 2018 than the Doggy Juice, and this pod has been a gift to you if you've been betting the recommendations I give out on it. But at the same time, I fully realize that I've been winning at an unsustainably good rate. So if you're expecting me to keep this up, or if you're expecting a winning week every week, then you have something else coming. From day one, my focus has been, um, and my focus on this podcast has been about the process. And if you re- remain true to your process, your bankroll, and get your emotions out of this and stick to the process, you can slowly but surely win in this game in the long run. So if you aren't committed to that, if you are not committed to bankroll management, sticking to your process, then please keep betting anyway so I can keep taking your money. But in terms of touting, it's literally impossible for me to fully, quote-unquote, give out my plays. I'm thinking of ideas to start some sort of mass text or email send out where I can send out my plays in real time. Uh, which I may experiment with this spring so I have something for next football season. But even that's a lot of work for me, and you know it's, it's tough doing that, but I'm just trying to help people find value so we can all win together. And if you ever have a question on a line or if you're thinking about getting into play on something and want to know my thoughts, then please just reach out to me. I'm more than happy to swap ideas with you and offer my input. And you can use that input however you want. I'm just, I'm just a you know, one person, one uh, source of information for you. And in the end, you're the one who is going to be going to the window uh, and, and making your plays or clicking the, the bet button on one of your sites and actually making the play. So I'm only here as a resource. Uh, you're the one who's the final makes the final call with your own bankroll and your own plays. But I am here to help. My goal is for everybody to try to win. Uh, and I love swapping ideas with other guys too. It's really, it's a good resource and a good way to see things from a different angle. So anyways, I'm very appreciative of everyone who's been on board and stuck with me here for the past three months. It's been a great learning experience for me. Um, I've gotten great feedback from some friends and as always, I encourage you to reach out to me if you have any suggestions or tips on how to make this better because this is only the beginning and I really appreciate it. Uh, If you leave a review or help spread the good word about the Doggy Juice Pod, however you're going to do it, uh, because we're all about winning together, baby. Also, a special shout-out to Philly Fran on Twitter for Drake team total over 5.5 against Iowa State this past weekend. Not only did Drake score the first touchdown of the game 5.5 minutes in, but they dropped 24 points on the disinterested Cyclones. And they had the lead until... Iowa State won the game with about, I think it was like 26, 27 seconds left. Iowa State won a 27 to 24, but that was as, as easy of a winner as you could find uh, in college football, and that dude was right on top of it from the beginning. So, shouts out to Philly Fran. Wow, wow, very nice. Before I jump into some quick hitters, I want to touch on an important concept that ties in with the aforementioned Doggy Juice Sports Betting Ten Commandments, and that's commandment number 10. Thou shall be willing to adapt. This is a loaded concept, but the premise behind this is to be willing to adapt with the times, and a big part of that is in-game betting. Live betting, as I've said, is it's the way of the future, especially as mobile-based betting uh, gains steam here in the United States. 
And a big part of this is being able to read games while they're going on and finding value in the line as the game is going on because so many times the sportsbook operators, whoever's in charge of the place where you're uh, trying to make your bets, they just go to a simple chart um, in the middle of the game. So if the score is a certain score and there's a certain amount of time left, they just go to what the chart says to do. But that's where you can find your value, especially if they're if they're doing that. But um, this concept is incredibly important. It also means that most importantly, one should not be married to their pre-flop, pre-game bets. If you're making 100% or even close to 100% of your bets on sides and pre-flop, pre-game before the game even starts, and then you're sitting there and watching the game unfold and rooting on your side and then bitching about it when it's not going your way, then you are the square one. If you're going to win, you're going to have to remove yourself from that preconceived old-school construct of only betting against the spread sides before a game starts. And it took me until only a few years ago to fully grasp this concept, but it's true and you're going to get burned if you make just a play pregame and sit on it every single time, especially when a new situation or new information presents itself in the middle of a game. And a perfect example of this came into play on Monday Night Football this week as the Redskins uh, visited Philly to take on the Eagles. I had a pregame position on the Redskins at plus 7, minus 110. It was a very good position that I found earlier in the week. The line had a, it closed like five and a half, six, depending on where you shopped. Um, so I had that plus seven, and I was also on the over. And then I released the Redskins team total over on, at a 19 and a half as a best bet on social media before the game started. Well, early on in that game, Colt McCoy, the Redskins quarterback, went down. And in came Mark Sanchez, Sanchez, that quarterback for the rest of the game. And at that very moment, all the pre-flop bets that I had um, and uh, – all the bets that I made pre-flop were predicated on McCoy quarterback for the Redskins. Those were thrown out the window. Sanchez in, new circumstances, new game. And this is the same Mark Sanchez who had just signed with the Redskins two weeks prior and had literally no time to practice with the number ones and not much time at all to even learn the playbook. And he was thrust into action on Monday Night Football. And you can even see Sanchez himself laughing at the situation, laughing comically at the lack of rapport he had with his teammates and just the unlucky spot that they were in. And obviously they had low expectations for themselves given the situation too. So this is not to say that one should necessarily blindly bet the other side. It's not to say that you should just at that moment come in and just blindly bet on the Philadelphia Eagles. No, you don't do that. But after Adrian Peterson broke that one uh, long 90-plus yard touchdown run in the second quarter, it was a gift of an opportunity to live bet the under in that situation in my opinion. And at halftime of that game, I was able to successfully get off most of my pregame position and even open up a small middle opportunity uh, ended up not coming through. Um, but what happened in the second half of that game? The Redskins didn't score. The Eagles took care of business. And those who were married to their pre-flop plays on the Redskins lost it all. But those who recognized the situation and adapted to the situation were able to win or at least negate their losses by playing back on the other side. So that's an important thing to remember moving forward. Always be willing to adapt mid-game, even if it means playing back on the other side for more than your original position or for a portion of your original position. But either way, don't be married blindly to that pregame play because it'll bite you, especially in games like that where there's an injury and it completely throws everything in your pregame handicap out the window. It's really important to understand that concept. All right, time for some quick hitters. Some interesting developments in Washington, D.C. this week that we should all be aware of. It was reported this week that at least uh, a few sportsbook operators, namely 
MGM, DraftKings, and FanDuel are actively working with a few sports leagues, namely the NBA, Major League Baseball, and the PGA, in order to pass a bill that all the parties can stomach. And this alliance uh, between these sportsbook operators and the leagues circulated a one-page document to the Washington, D.C. City Council that itemizes a list of terms that the alliance all agree to. And included on this list of terms is a requirement from sportsbook operators to pay a 0.25% fee on all wagers to the sports leagues in order to use the league's data. And this brings in the integrity fee or royalty fee debate that fortunately the leagues have lost up until this point, only now they're labeling it a license fee. And that's a crock of bullshit, as I've said many a time. Ironically, even the MGM CEO Jim Murin literally said a few days ago that he was offended by the need for his company to pay an integrity fee, um, and yet they are, their name is on that uh, that one-page document that was circulated to the D.C. City Council saying that that's part of the terms they agreed to. But um, it's important to note that this is D.C. and not federal, so whatever they come up with uh, won't provide any sort of federal framework, but it is alarming nonetheless because of the precedent that it can set. The D.C. situation is unique because... There is an incentive for these sportsbook operators and leagues to want to team up, and the reason for that is um, it's kind of complicated, but in short, the proposed legislation in, in D.C. is for a lottery, and if the legislation's passed, there will be one of two scenarios. Scenario one involves an open marketplace for licensing sports betting operators, uh, uh, which is good, and scenario two involves a single offering from one single vendor, a company called Intralot, under the umbrella of a lottery. And obviously the sportsbook operators in the leagues do not want Scenario 2 because they want to be able to make money. And they want Scenario 1 with an open marketplace. And setting a precedent of a lottery-style system for other states, like Scenario 2 would be, uh, that would be no bueno for everyone. Because a competitive market would not, would not only serve to eliminate the illegal market and thwart the offshore offer, offerings, but it would also provide more revenue open markets are good. So everyone should be wired into this DC story because it can set a precedent not only from the lottery or no lottery angle, but also from the angle of the leagues trying to get their hands in the cookie jar uh, in the form of an integrity fee, which they're now calling a licensing fee. Um, They're trying to dumb that down for us. So get the fuck out of here. FanDuel in New Jersey paid out their Alabama futures last weekend. Um, They ended up, anybody that had an Alabama to win the college football playoff ticket got paid out. Um, This is a total PR stunt. It's common in the UK to do it, in England, um, and in Ireland as well, to pay out early, or at least offer payouts. But uh, FanDuel obviously did this, and for me, I think it's a brilliant marketing move because they get people to talk about it, and anybody that has money on Bama, they just want to throw that. They're counting on people just to throw that money into play before the playoffs. So all the money is going to come to the sports books eventually. But I'm going to go on a little rant here because I've heard some stories about DraftKings and FanDuel on the East Coast, namely New Jersey, where they have mobile betting now. They are shutting down winning players or at least limiting them to very small bets. I've seen a few um, posts and heard a few stories about winning betters um, trying to get down on props specifically on there. They'll try and bet, you know, something like four figures or even three figures. And then these FanDuel DraftKings sites will limit them to $5 on their bets or they won't even let them get the plays in. 
that's troubling for me, uh, I think, moving forward, because in Vegas, most places welcome action. There's some places like William Hill and some of the more square shops that squeeze out uh, sharp betters or winning players, but which I think is weak sauce. But most books there take action anywhere. And when you see these FanDuel DraftKings severely limiting the offerings or even the bets that sharp bettors can get down, I think that's very troubling. Um, especially when you have their these compliance teams making six figures, um, but they're limiting bets to winning players on props. You know, just do better. Be better bookmakers, in my opinion. So I'm going to probably get in my soapbox about this topic um, as time goes by because it's a very bad development. Um, but kudos to FanDuel for at least paying this stuff out early. It's it's a new concept for American bettors to be able to get paid out before your bet comes through. But that was a total PR stunt. Don't let it let uh, it fool you otherwise. And they did that for marketing purposes, and they're counting on people. To, I mean, Alabama's probably going to win the title anyway, and they're probably not getting much Bama futures action anyway right now. So they figure, hey, let's pay the people out now so they can put the money into play over bowl season or even you know betting back on the other side. Uh, maybe those people take their Bama money and and uh, take Oklahoma in the semifinal. Who knows? Oh, maybe they'll put it back on Bama. I have no idea. But either way, they're counting on that money getting back into play, which is a prudent move on their part. As we all know, the college football playoff is set. We have number one, Alabama, playing number four, Oklahoma, and then number two, Clemson, against number three, Notre Dame. But an 18 playoff when are we going to get it? I saw this tweet from Danny Cannell on Twitter. Um, one, Alabama hosting number eight, Washington. Number two, Clemson hosting number seven, Georgia. Number three, Notre Dame hosting number six, Ohio State. And number four, Oklahoma hosting number five, UCF. What are we doing? Why is this not happening? Instead, they're playing these stupid conference title games, and that's got to change. Like, Look at these conference title games. There's empty seats everywhere at a lot of them. Instead, they should have these meaningful games on campuses at the end of the year, and those games will sell out, and they'll be a cash cow. But either way, they need to make the 18 playoff happen. You don't even need a you don't need to guarantee a set criteria in terms of which conferences get represented. But for me, a regular season winner uh, from the Power Five conferences and the next three at large is a pretty damn good idea. And if you still want to have the conference title games and have them mean something, especially in those Power Five conferences. If one team wins the conference regular season, don't have them play in the title game since they're guaranteed the playoff spot and instead have a conference game with the next two teams um, as a sort of potential play-in game for the playoff. Could you imagine what the handle would be for this in Vegas or offshore betting websites or anywhere? People bet the hell out of an 18 playoff, and I I hear uh, it would probably sur- uh, it would surpass the handle of a Super Bowl if they had an 18 playoff, at least in Vegas. I've heard some Vegas guys say that, but... They should really do this. I mean, have more games at the end of the year on campuses. The students will be more involved. Have meaningful games on campuses. And then do the 18 playoff, um, like Danny Cannell said on Twitter, if those uh, the top four teams are all hosting a team going into this week, there's not as much of a de- There's no debate on whether or not teams deserve to get in. Obviously, you'll debate number eight versus number nine. You always have something to debate, but getting the top team from the top conferences and then having teams like UCF, who are deserving, um, get in there, I think is a very smart move. And I think in the future, there's just too much money to ignore an 18 playoff. According to Yahoo Sports in Oklahoma, a local radio host had a season win total bet on Oklahoma State's season win total at over eight this year. 
they went six and six, and the radio host in Oklahoma City, a guy named Ron Benton, ironic name, he obviously lost that bet, and he kept bitching about it on the air. So Mike Gundy, the Oklahoma State head coach, he sent a $250 check to the radio host along with a note, and he said, we came up short, so the main, the manly thing to do is to reimburse a guy for believing in our team. And then he thanked him for his support, which I thought was awesome, but watch the twisted NCAA bring down sanctions on this guy. You could totally see that coming, but I thought that was a really cool story. Be prepared for the closest Heisman call of all time. It's Kyler Murray versus Tua, and Tua looked like he was a lock, and he was around minus 1,000, um, even uh, minus 500 just uh, three, four weeks ago. Um, kind of started to diminish a little bit, but Murray finished strong and, and closed the gap. But now after last week, the odds have flipped on the offshore websites. Um, there's an interesting theory out there that the reason for that is due to uh, many of the Tua ticket holders hedging their old positions. Maybe they bet him preseason or in the middle of the season. Um, but you have seen the odds flip right now. Kyler Murray's laying as much as $2 at some places. But I think it's going to be close for me. I think it should be Tua. But if you're looking at the stats and importance to his team, it's hard to argue against Kyler Murray. But either way, we're looking at the closest Heisman vote in history, or at least potentially the closest Heisman vote in history this Saturday, tomorrow. Before Sunday night football, the Steelers had never lost a game at home when they were leading by 14-plus points. They were 220-0-2. That record fell this past Sunday night uh, when they blew that lead to the Chargers. Don't get me started on the coaching decisions in that game. Um, In my opinion, we had two of the worst uh, play-calling or in-game head coaches in uh, Lance Lynn and Mike Tomlin in that game. I think Tomlin just... uh, he made so many errors in that game as well. I'm not going to get into it as much, but if you follow Warren Sharp on Twitter, he's, he's had some great takes, including on that game where um, they had linebackers covering Keenan Allen, and they were just Keenan Allen at the end of the game just ripped them up because uh, the Steelers were playing a linebacker. Uh, that's just not the way to win in playing defense in 2018 NFL. I think there's value on. Hachimura from Gonzaga to win the Wooden Award at the 12 to 14 to 1 range. Um, obviously, the Duke guys are getting all the love, but they could cancel each other out, um, Zion Williamson and R.J. Barrett. And when it's all said and done, you can count on Gonzaga to win their games and a lot of those games by, by blowout. And they're that easy conference. So um, they're going to be there in March as a top seed. And Gonzaga, I think they won't be as under the radar now. Uh, they, they've kind of like, they're obviously not the Cinderella team anymore. They're getting those top recruits, and Hachimura is one of those recruits. And they're pretty much a guarantee to win, you know, only lose a few more games this year, if that. Um, they're going to win a lot by a lot. So I think there could be great value in taking Hachimura at that number right now. Um, this guy's amazing. He can do it all, both ends of the court. He can put the ball in the basket in any way. Uh, I really love his game. So it's worth a little, little flyer on him, I think, at that price. All right, time for a look ahead at some college football bowl games. You know what? We all love Yoo-Hoo, especially Yoo-Hoo with a little rum. All right, so the big concept in betting college football bowl games, it's all about motivation. Look to play on teams who barely snuck in to a bowl game or are happy to be there or teams that are playing in a bowl game that is above the level that they're used to playing at as a program. 
and look to fade teams who are playing in a bowl game that is worse than their preseason or even midseason expectations and goals, and you'll probably come out on top. So along those lines, if you wanted to bet on Ohio State in the Rose Bowl, you should have done so earlier. Everyone and their uncle will be on the Buckeyes here now, but uh, when Urban Meyer announced his retirement, there was a flood of money to the Buckeyes, um, with the idea being, hey, these guys are going to win one for the Gipper, they're going to... Uh, they're going to go out and, and win one for, for the coach who's retiring. And that line you saw, it got pushed from four and a half to six and a half. Now, I put a half, a half a unit position down on Ohio State at minus four with a little extra juice before that move. But if it gets to seven, I may look to play some back on Washington. I think that line will be way too, way too much. It was a spot where I was willing to lay it with Ohio State at three and a little bit at four, which, which is what I got. But that's when it gets to seven is where I was going to start looking at Washington and I think we might see that get to seven with all of everyone is going to be on that one. So um, I'm going to be touching on college football games in the next podcast, the next few weeks, because those don't even start until next weekend. Um, but it's very important in this time of year to put plays into pocket early, try and beat the line moves. But at the same time, a lot of that, you have to look out for guys who are going to be not, not suiting up for these bowl games. Um, it's, you can't blame some of these guys who are going to be NFL players. Like, you know, Christian McCaffrey, he went up, made a speech in front of the Stanford team before he was going to set out his bowl game, and they gave him a standing ovation. They understand why a lot of these players who have so much to lose, uh, what's the point in playing for a bowl game when it's meaningless especially? So look at some of these spots. We've already had a lot of players announce that they're not going to suit up for their game, um, and those are out there. So if you can get ahead of some of those, um, that's even better, but at least beware of top players not playing. But that goes into the whole motivation issue as well. So here are some of the plays that I put into pocket shortly after the lines were announced. Um, it's a long list, but uh, here we go. Memphis minus 2.5. Boston College plus 3.5. Florida International plus 6. California plus 2. Iowa State plus 6.5. Nevada plus 2. Baylor plus six and a half, Michigan minus seven, LSU minus seven, Penn State minus four, Northwestern plus seven and a half, Oklahoma State plus ten, Virginia Tech plus six and a half, Virginia plus six and a half, Georgia Tech minus three, and Purdue plus five. And as you can see, the lines moved on most of those. Um, it goes to show the timing is everything, but there is still value in some of those numbers, in my opinion. Um, if the Lions continue to move too much on some of those, I may play back some of the other sides to open up some middle opportunities, uh, especially with my Penn State minus four. I actually have that around. I've come around to liking Arkansas in that one, and that line's now up to six and a half, so definitely going to look to play back on Arkansas in that one. Um, and I also sprinkled some money line on all the underdogs that I took, and that's another important concept to understand. I haven't listened to it yet, but I believe they touch on it on uh, R.J. Bell's uh, dream preview podcast this week um, a very sharp way to play this is if you're going to lay the points with the favorites or if you're going to bet on favorites be more likely to lay the points instead of playing the money line on the favorites in bowl games but if you're looking to play underdogs there's so much more variability in these bowl games you see uh, year in and year out so it's definitely prudent to play the money line on those just given the higher variability you can find some really good value winning on underdogs on the money line during bowl season so I have sprinkled money line on a lot of the underdogs, actually all of the underdogs that I took, and I will be maybe looking to play some more. But the plays that I like the most on there are Northwestern plus 7.5. That one's now plus 6, but I still like it there. 
Iowa State plus six and a half. That's now plus three and a half, but I still do lean that way. And Purdue, uh, I love that play at plus five. It's now plus four, but I really like that that one as well. And Baylor plus six and a half. That's now plus three and a half. But um, and also getting the plus money with Cal plus two. That one's now Pickham uh, against TCU, but I really do like Cal in that matchup as well. Might even take a look at the California team total over in that one. Um, I took the points with Texas at plus 11. I think Texas will be more excited to be there, and Tom Herman is a dog. We know that that angle. Uh, I think that's just too many points for Georgia to be laying in that one. I took the points with Notre Dame, position on them at plus 12.5. I think I have that one under 10 points, power rated, so anything over 10 I think is is a solid play on Notre Dame. If that one gets up to 13, I'll play more there's i can't see that getting up to 13 though if it gets to no, they won't get to 14 if it did that'd be uh, an auto play but um, northwestern like i said plus six and a half before you do that though you've got to make sure that thorson is starting a quarterback uh, going back with the whole player sitting but he's their four-year starter and he will be drafted but uh, uh i think he's going to start the game all signs point to thorson playing in this game but I think we do have a correlated Northwestern and under parlay on this one. Northwestern is in their preferred underdog role, and Utah is without their starting quarterback and, and running back from the start of the year. And you see how that worked out for them in the Pac-12 championship game against Washington. So I do think there's value on the, the Wildcats here if, if Thorson plays. Uh, taking a look at Army minus three against Houston as another play. Um, Army is an option run team, and Houston is short on players who uh, will be who are banged up on their on their defensive line. Ed Oliver, their stud, is going to be sitting out. He's already announced. So that's uh, one key cog in their in their line who's not going to be suiting up for this one. And on top of that, Houston's standout quarterback, uh, King, was injured in their second-to-last game against Tulane. So uh, they're going to be installing a true freshman at quarterback instead. And on top of that, I believe Army will bring in motivation in this game. It's the Armed Forces Bowl, so... Um, I'd lock this one in uh, before the Army-Navy game, too, if you can get it at minus three or better, uh, because Army's favored to win in that one. If the chalk holds up in the Army-Navy game this weekend, I think that number's only going to rise on Army. So lock in that Army minus three now in the Armed Forces Bowl. Uh, There's a good angle on backing Washington versus Miami. Wisconsin. Uh, It's a rematch from last year's game, which is not ideal because Miami's going to bring revenge. But Wisconsin's off a blowout loss to Minnesota in their last game, and more importantly, this game looks like it's going to be played in the elements in New York City in late December. Um, so I'll be looking to back the Badgers here, but I don't think I'm in any rush to get into play on that. I could see money coming into Miami, but anytime you're getting those Miami players coming up, uh, it's almost comical because you see whenever Miami comes up to cold weather games and plays you know up north in the in the winter, you look at the sidelines, and it's funny because like the Miami players are and Florida players in general, this happens, but there's one game that stuck out to me. Like They're all huddled around a heater uh, like a, on the sidelines and trying to warm themselves up. And then you look at the other side, like those cold-weather teams like Wisconsin or Iowa or what have you, and all the players are just like sitting there. You know, they got their, some got their shirts off, they're chilling, it's warm to them. So it's always funny to see that. I think it's always a good angle to play against those warm-weather teams when they play in, in cold weather. I think sometimes the line does not accurately reflect... Um, how uncomfortable they are in that situation. Um, I do like laying it with LSU against uh, Central Florida. Um, Greedy Williams and some other stars for LSU will be gone, but they do know what happened to Auburn last year when they played uh, UCF and UCF won outright. But the, the UCF backup quarterback is flat-footed when he steps back. 
um, and against a motivated SEC defense in this spot, I think he'll be prone to turnovers, and I think the market is not taking that into account. I think this is a mismatch, so if you can get LSU uh, just laying a touchdown in this spot, I think that's good value as well. All right, let's move on to NFL Week 14. We actually have a very appetizing card this week in the NFL. Um, I was on the Jacksonville Jaguars last night on Thursday Night Football at minus four uh, for a smaller position. I mentioned that on uh, Twitter and Instagram and also had a small piece of the Jags. Team total under 17 on uh, one out I had. I think that one was 16, 16 and a half most places, which 17 is kind of a key number. So um, I was only going to take that if it was 17, but that one came through as well. But this weekend, it uh, brings me great pleasure. This is a rarity in the 2018 season, but I have the Chicago Bears, the hometown Bears, in pocket at plus three as one of the top value plays of the week. Um, I got that actually with with no juice, but for me, this one's still good uh, up to, I mean, even at minus 115 juice, if you got to lay a little extra juice with the Bears catching the full field goal, sprinkle some money line as well, find the best number. But uh, I got this one. I only have the Rams... Uh, Favored by a little bit more than a pick'em on my stuff. It's it's slight, but I think this this game should be closer to a pick'em. And I also like the spot for the Bears. Uh, not only with Trubisky looking to come back, they're coming off that loss, um, coming back home motivated. The Rams have had a crazy travel schedule, uh, even though they've had their they had their bye week a couple weeks ago. I think this could be a tired team. The Bears are going up against. Love the spot on Sunday Night Football. You're gonna have a, a raucous crowd um, in Chicago at Soldier Field. So. Give me the Bears, plus three, Sunday night football against the Rams. Also in the NFC North, I think there's value on the Packers this week. Um, I'll be looking to get in the play on them. I actually have a small play at uh, minus four with a little bit of extra juice right now, but four and a half is fine. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's fine for a smaller play at minus four and a half, but at minus four is where I really like it. Um, but the coaching change, McCarthy's out, Green Bay. Sometimes you see this. This is a good trend to play on. A team who just fired their coach that they didn't want to play for comes out with more energy the next week. Power ratings-wise, I have an edge here at the Packers against the Falcons. Home field's always more than three and a half points for the Packers as well. So this is saying that these teams are pretty much equal, but I think the Packers can can get it done. Uh, so I will be looking to play them. If it's four and a half, it's going to be a smaller play. Uh, you know, Be prudent in that, but if it gets to four... I really like that play as well, and look for money line value there too. Uh, small slice on the 49ers, catching four and a half at home um, against the Broncos. That one's three and a half now. Uh, Emmanuel Sanders went down uh, for uh, with a career, or not a career-ending injury, hopefully, but season-ending injury. Um, he's not worth a point to the line, but you saw the line move a point. You could still find some plus fours with a little extra juice on there. I like it there for not as much, but plus four and a half I did get into play there. Um, that's just too many points. Uh, I think the markets have overreacted to Denver's recent performances. 49ers, uh, when you look at their turnovers, they are a team that's bound to regress um, back to the mean. They've, their turnover differential is pretty crazy this year. They're back at home, and I think that line should be <clears throat> that should be closer to a pick'em, or at least uh, the Broncos only laying about a point there. So I will take that that value uh, for a small slice on the 49ers. Obviously, it's hard to judge their motivation. Uh, trying to obviously lose for the for a top pick in the draft, but got a great coach in Shanahan there. The 49ers, they're going to be for real next year if uh, Jimmy G comes back healthy, but 
in this spot. I do like them uh, getting, I got them at plus four and a half, but plus four for less. Speaking of small slices, the Miami Dolphins, plus eight, hosting the Patriots at home. Um, this is a spot where the Dolphins have covered in the past few years. Uh, they always seem to get this one, um, at least get the money in this spot. Uh, I think it's a tough spot for the Patriots traveling. Obviously, the Dolphins, um, you know, they've been quietly around, sitting around 500. They don't excite too much, but with Tannehill back and at home in this game, this is a game they're going to be up for. You know it against the Patriots. It's a divisional game. So I, just, I think it's too many points. I wish I was getting 10 really to get a full position on here, but anything at plus 8 or better um, I think is worth an investment on the Miami Dolphins this weekend. Baltimore on the road in Kansas City. I found a plus 7. There's still some available with a little extra juice, but uh, plus 6.5 is uh, for less. That's getting that key number of 7 I think is so important here. But I also like the under in this game as well. Um, I got 52, it's 51 now, but I think that one might tick back up. So sit around, because 52, surprisingly, is kind of a key number in the NFL. Um, but 51 for less in that spot. But really look to see if that ticks back up, which I think it could, to 52. Maybe take a, a partial position on the under 51, 51 and a half now. Uh, try and find those plus sevens. Um, but I think we might be able to get those numbers to tick back up in our favor. But I think those are definitely correlated, the Ravens and the under. Uh, they're going to look to to run the ball here, control the defensive pace. Um, and I, I I don't think Lamar Jackson is a very talented player, but the team obviously loves playing under him. There's no way Flacco's going to come in because the team's uh, taken they, – they've really uh, played well under Lamar Jackson and they've kind of rallied around him. So I've got them in pockets. I think this is a good spot. Kansas City has not seen a defense like this all season long. Um, even though they're at home and they have a very good home field advantage, I think this is a spot where Baltimore can stay within the number. I think it's worth taking a look on the Colts this week. I actually haven't put anything in pocket on them, but it's a revenge game for the Colts visiting the Texans. It's hard to get into play um, against the Texans right now because they're on a roll. Um, but a crazy stat from, uh, from Mark Lawrence, teams off a shutout loss when they allow 10 or fewer points. It's only happened five times since 1980, but that team coming off the shutout loss is 5-0 and against the spread the very next week, and the Colts apply to this here. Uh, they lost. They were shut out against the Jaguars last weekend, and now they run into the, the Texans train, but I think it may be worth taking a look at them here in a revenge spot. I think the Colts are, uh, they've been such an improved team this year. Uh, Andrew Luck, I mean, there was... A point, you know, before last week he was being talked about in the MVP conversation. It's hard to argue against that, but uh, you've seen a good recovery by their offensive line this year, and I think they're trending in the right direction. I've, I'm looking to cash that uh, that over six uh, season win total. Got that set. I mean, they're at six wins right now, I believe. So that one's hopefully going to cash. They just need one more win, but um, been on them since the beginning. Been playing on them a few times this year. I think this is a spot where it might be worth taking them. For small at plus four and a half, I'm still looking to, to get involved here on that, but I think that could be worth a look. Um, and then my numbers lean the Cowboys here, but I heard another crazy trend also from Mark Lawrence, the king of trends. Uh, defending Super Bowl champions are uh, their best as road underdogs when playing teams off back-to-back wins. That number is 20 and six against the spread and seven and one against the spread in division games. And obviously the Eagles are the defend- defending Super Bowl champions. This is a big divisional game. But my numbers actually like the Cowboys in the spot, so I probably I might still play them 
if I can get a minus three with uh, limited juice, but probably going to stay away. I think this is a tough spot, but I, I do lean the Cowboys with that number. And in terms of uh, teaser candidates, we do have some this week. Uh, the Saints, that one's tough to find now because I think that line's got up to um, north of, of nine, of them laying nine points, but I, I got in a teaser with them um, when they were just laying seven and a half or, or eight, so I teased that down six points to just laying one and a half or two points. Uh, good teams to include them with are the Cleveland Browns at home, catching a point and a half, at least where I got it. I think they're catching a point now, but you could tease that up six points through the three and the seven up to seven and a half. And also the Patriots, um, I don't like this as much for the reasons I already said. I'm going to be on, I have tickets on uh, the Dolphins at plus eight, but you could tease the Patriots down through those key numbers of seven and three. Just ask, ask them to win the game by uh, by two points or one or two points. Just basically, basically win it outright. Uh, they're a good teaser candidate this week as well. As I've said, only tease when you're teasing through those key numbers, at least only look to. In the NFL with size this year, you've, pretty, you've been money teasing pretty much any which way, but you're really going to find your best value teasing through those key numbers on a six-point teaser and, and make sure you're not laying as much juice on those. But um, my favorite teaser this week is the Saints with the Browns. The Saints tease through basically asking them only to win the game outright and the Browns teasing through the three and the seven to plus seven and a half. Uh, if they lose by a touchdown, I still cash that leg of the teaser. Uh, but those are what I like. There's also some unders that I like this week, so um, I'm waiting for those to move. I have mentioned the Baltimore uh, under, but stay tuned to the Doggy Juice Twitter and Instagram for those. Uh, if those numbers pop up, I don't feel comfortable releasing them unless I'm going to play them myself, but I will be looking at some unders this week as well. Um, all right. So that'll do it for this episode of the Doggy Juice podcast. Um, I have posted the Doggy Juice Challenge um, Super Contest lines for the variation of the, of the Super Contest that I play in, the Chicago Super Contest. Those are on uh, Twitter and Instagram at Doggy Juice. All you got to do is send me your five favorite plays against the spread. If you go 5-0, and you win a $25 Venmo prize. Two guys have done it already this year. And I may raise the prize next week, the the prize payout uh, for the final three weeks of the season. Stay tuned on that. But right now it's a $25 Venmo prize if you go 5-0. We are on the home stretch for the Super Contests and the variation I play in. I'm sitting at 41-24, which is over 63%. And that's two games behind the lead. Hoping to finish strong. And uh, hope everyone does well this weekend with your bets. I will be back next week with guests. Not one, but two. Um... But yeah, have a good weekend. It was good talking to you. It was good being back. And I wish you nothing but winners, baby. Doggy Juice out. Never say never. Because limits, like fears, are often just an illusion. Thank you very much.